disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. It's the Disruption Zone. Happy to have uh, investigative reporter Cheryl Atkinson back. Those of you who know her story and have followed her, she is one brave woman. Um, she is, in my opinion, one of the last journalists standing, the people that are willing to be fair and ask the tough questions. And for doing that, going all the way back to taking on Big Pharma and taking on uh, Big Obama, she has been spied upon by the government, abused at the government's hands. She's involved in several lawsuits trying to get the government to finally admit all of that stuff. Uh, and she soldiers on. And uh, you can find out more about her at CherylAckison.com. I'll post a link in the uh, comments on this podcast. But I want to get right into this conversation today. So we're going to do that as soon as I tell you about Louisville cabinets and countertops. Oh, by the way, just so you know, what we're talking about with her today is uh, the vaccine. And new study that has come out that shows that um, the adverse reactions to it are a little bit more in number than the CDC is reporting, and she's got proof of that. So we're going to talk to her about that. But Louisville Cabinets and Countertops supports this program, and I want you to support them, not just because they support this program, but because they'll do a fantastic job on your home when you want to get your kitchen remodeled. Interest rates are super low right now. It's a great time to get a home equity loan and finish your dream house. So get that kitchen done the way you've always dreamed of having it done. And I can tell you the kitchen is the heart of the home. It's my favorite spot in my house. And um, when we lived in Kentucky and the, the Louisville Cabinets and Countertops had done our kitchen there, it was my favorite spot there. I love entertaining people and having an, a kitchen that is beautiful and good for entertainment is priceless. And you can do that with Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. The work ethic of Tim's crews, Tim Montgomery, the owner, um, the work ethic and the craftsmanship will blow you away. Give them a call at 502-930-3304. Talk to George, Michelle, or Kelly, the three designers on staff. Or just go by LouisvilleCabinetsandCountertops.com. Uh, or stop by the showroom at 6200 Hit Lane. If you're in southern Indiana, northern Kentucky, or uh, central Kentucky, or Louisville, this is your place. Louisville Cabinets and Countertops will get it done for you. Check it out at LouisvilleCabinetsandCountertops.com and 502-930-3304. And now our conversation with Cheryl Atkinson. We started off talking about my newly adopted puppy. He's a, he's, he was abandoned, and so he's got like really high anxiety issues. Yeah. So we're working through that. We got a trainer coming on Monday and it's going to help us. So, but he's a very Aww. sweet, sweet, sweet boy. So we adopted one similar story. She's been a year and she um, just sticks to me like glue. She's very anxious if I, she can't see me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're like that, but they, they love us. So it's all good. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Uh, well, good to have you back, Cheryl. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, your latest story that uh, I saw, actually, Congressman Thomas Massey tweeted, tweeted this out, that you've taken a look at some studies that have just come out, and heart disorders after COVID-19 vaccines are more common than the CDC reports. What are you finding here? Well, you know, the CDC looks at these VAERS, it's called Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System Database, where it's sort of a voluntary system if people have an adverse event after a vaccine, the doctor or patient's supposed to report. And it's generally accepted that it's vastly underreported. So if you see one case of something bad, it could represent up to, believe it or not, 10,000 or 100,000 more cases that are not reported. Wow. So it's sort of a, a clue. Well, CDC is going on this database 
And there are some people arguing, well, the adverse events to this, the COVID vaccines are not underreported because people are paying so much attention to them. So you can't make that same assumption. Okay. Well, enter this independent study that took a look at some harder data. They looked at 2 million medical records of patients in hospitals. And they concluded at first glance that the incidences of these potentially serious heart disorders after COVID-19 vaccines are more than five times more common than what CDC considered at its last meeting when CDC looks at what's the risk versus the benefit of getting the vaccination. Right. And we're talking about an organization, JAMA, which is, what is that, a Journal of American Medical Association that's like about it. It's about as... It's as big a deal when it comes to medication, medical, the medical field as you get, right? I mean, these are this is peer reviewed. This is not some one off study. This is not some rogue doctor that is upset because he got banned from YouTube. This is the real well, right. deal. And, and there are tons of these types of studies out there. They're just not being widely reported. For listen, we can have a whole other discussion on why that is. Yeah, but there, are, there's just so much information out there that's being omitted from the public discussion even though it is um, as scientifically proven and credible, if not more so, than a lot of what's being circulated. Right. And I, and I want to be clear, when we talk about if it's five times more than what the CDC is reporting, we're still talking about a very small number of people. Um, it's, it's, ver it's very rare either way. It's considered right. very rare. But here's the issue. When you consider a vaccine's benefits versus risk, it's not a matter of, well, does it kill more than 50% of the people or save more than 50% of the people. Right. These are very complex calculations and drugs have, and vaccines have been pulled off the market over a handful of reported adverse events among millions of people because of the assumptions made about how many more it may actually occur in because of the assumptions made about, well, how serious is the disease versus this side effect. Right. So there's just a lot of considerations. It's not a simple one-to-one -one ratio of, well, how many people might get myocarditis or pericarditis? If you look at, and I linked to it, the last CDC meeting they had, they put up slides where, my phrasing, how many of these heart cases they are willing to accept to supposedly prevent how many hospitalizations. So they'll right. say, well, in this age group, maybe we'll have 60 more cases of heart inflammation, but we'll prevent 200 cases of hospitalization, they're assuming. Right. And so this is how they make calculations. and other scientists will look at that same data and say, well, young people have a zero statistical chance of death from COVID-19. So is it worth them taking even a small statistical risk of a potentially serious heart inflammation disorder? So well, this calculations vary different depending on who you are. Yeah. And this is exactly why I, I really firmly believe that this should be a personal choice um, and why I think the people that are I, I think and I hope that these companies that are forcing their employees to get vaccinated, that people like Bill de Blasio in New York, who's uh, introduced the NYC pass, basically very Orwellian speech in which he's like, hey, if you don't have this, uh, you cannot participate in society. This is just wrong, right? I'm not saying that the vaccine doesn't work. I'm not saying it's not a miracle of modern science. It probably is. But it is wrong to treat people who have legitimate questions. And I think what your story here reveals, contrary to the mainstream media narrative, is that there is a legitimate story here. And for radio purposes, we're talking with Cheryl Atkinson, investigative reporter. But this shows that there is a legitimate reason why people might question whether they want to have this. Well, here's the problem. Because so many public health officials and CDC are singing this one note 
when many people and scientists know better that for every medicine, there are adverse events and there's a calculation to be made. And CDC, if asked that direct question, would not deny that every individual has a different potential risk-benefit ratio. So it is, of course, an independent uh, individual decision. Right. But the, the messaging that's coming out is so wildly, really ridiculously one-sided, that makes people suspicious needlessly. Right. You know, they start to not wonder, they start to question everything they're hearing. And the whole idea behind requiring proof of vaccination is a little bit silly scientifically because we know in in Israel, for example, they say the vaccines, the Pfizer vaccine is down to 40% effectiveness. We know from virologists that they expect these RNA vaccines to wear off after about six months. So the only thing you're showing with a vaccine card is that you got a vaccine, but you're not showing you have any immunity. Right. And conversely, you know, another story you may know that I've done, scientists now have well established that your immunity after COVID-19 infection is better and longer lasting, according yes. to all the studies that um, than that that comes with vaccination. So you're telling someone who may have better immunity than the vaccinated guy next to you, you're telling the unvaccinated person they can't come and do something when they may be far better protected. It doesn't really make any sense from a scientific standpoint. Why is that? That is it because we've turned our lives over to bureaucrats and uh, politicians who aren't really interested in solving our problems, but rather their own? Is that why this message is like this? Because I, I saw, I can't remember which state it was, but there was one state where the medical board was like, hey, if you give out false information about uh, the vaccine, we're going to yank your medical license, which is basically just intimidation to say if this doctor questions that one-sided sort of, you know, one point of view thing that you were just talking about, they could lose their medical license for questioning this. This is, this is like living in the days of... Um, you know, it, it, when when there was considered heresy to say that the world was round. I mean, you know, it, well, it's kind of scary. Science is supposed, yeah, science is supposed to have, especially in things that aren't certain, science is constantly evolving. It's never settled. It's always changing. Right. The notion that discussions can't be had is, I think, quite dangerous and why we've made so many mistakes to date in this pandemic. But I, I would blame after I didn't know any of this, you know, when I started covering medical slash vaccine stories for CBS two decades ago, but I've learned the medical industry largely controls government, government decisions, federal health agencies, medical establishment organizations, medical schools. I mean, through the tentacles that you can't even imagine and the media too, how, how the money gets into pretty much every corner of messaging since about the 2003 time period in ways that I've written about in my prior books. So it's, it's all to get everybody on point to the singular message that the pharmaceutical slash vaccine industry at large prefers to have disseminated. And they've been so effective at dominating the messaging again among politicians and media and so on through the various, um, you know, ultimately through money and influence, the rotating door of making sure pharmaceutical interest people are placed at federal agencies going back and forth or doing their bidding. So this is why I think you get a one-sided message. And some of what you're, we're being told is, Absolutely true. Some of it is provably false. But again, doubt is cast upon all of it when people who know better and are doing their own reading see that some of it is wrong or some of it yeah. is one sided. Yeah, I, I've said from the beginning, I was like, if you want more compliance with masks and you want more compliance with vaccines, stop silencing anybody who has a different opinion and stop with the totalitarian talk, because it, this is this is a age-old parenting lesson that uh, kids are going to do the opposite of what you tell them to do not not likening american citizens to kids but it's it's a human 
nature reaction. Like I thought what you said was right on when you said, look, when everything is one sided, people naturally question why that is, you know. Um, and we're talking with Cheryl Atkinson, um, investigative reporter. And just to kind of go back to you touched on it a little bit and you just kind of explained a lot of the why behind why we're only getting the one side. But it's also why and this is my fear. It's also why we only really have one arrow in our quiver right now. And it may be a very good arrow, and that's the vaccine, right? But it's the only one we have because any discussion of hydroxychloroquine was killed. The idea that a generic, widely available anti-parasitic drug, which has been found to be also uh, effective against viruses, ivermectin, all of that has been shut down. And it kind of goes back to what you said with the pharmaceutical companies. They don't make money off generic drugs, Right. They make money off of this huge vaccine that they now have complete immunity for. If down the road we find out there are long term negative consequences to it. So that to me is I think shutting down conversation and discussion is what leads to having only one or two arrows in your quiver. And that is dangerous for everybody. Well, that's but that's the goal is to have everybody looking to one thing only. I read a really shocking article that quoted a medical expert talking about the notion of herd immunity, which itself can be controversial, but without getting into that, the idea that if enough people have immunity to COVID-19, it's done with because everybody's had it, they become immune to it, or they've had the vaccine. But this whole article discussed as if the only way to get immunity was through vaccination, the thing that we know already wears off after six months and will require perhaps boosters the rest of your life versus the natural immunity, which scientists now say after COVID-19, appears to be long-lasting and perhaps even for a lifetime. So the herd immunity, if that's what we want, so that everybody's immune in some form, we're already partway there. At least 120-plus million Americans, according to CDC, have fought off COVID and survived. You know, something like 0.4-tenths of 1% of people have passed away, sadly. But 99.6% of everybody else survived with an immunity that is generally presumed to be better than what the vaccine gives. How could you have a whole discussion about, gee, we really need to get to herd immunity and pretend that the only way to do that is the imperfect way of vaccination, which is wearing off in so many people and not working against variants? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that that's like such a great point. Um, and, and along those lines, it what I guess concerns me, because you mentioned that the, the fact that we probably have reached, well, I think we've probably reached a level of at least close to herd immunity already. Cause you mentioned 120 million people that have fought off COVID and survived. Minimal, you know, Minimal. according to CDC estimates. Well, and we also know that the CDC has even admitted that they think eight times as many people have been affected than they said. So they may be including all of that in, but the point is I got I would like to know how many people have been vaccinated and how many people have not been vaccinated or of the pool of people not vaccinated. Cause they say we're at 70% now in the nation. Of the 30% of Americans that haven't been vaccinated, I'd love to know what percentage of them have fought off COVID. Either. Well, I agree. I mean, this is an obvious question that should be in the public domain. We shouldn't even be asked, having to ask it because this is an important calculation. Right. And I, I wrote about this the other day with some new scientific studies that came out about natural immunity that said CDC acts and some public health officials as though the entire calculation of a state safety status is how percentage of what percentage of the population has been vaccinated without taking into account that that tells nothing without knowing how many people have had COVID and have immunity through that. So a, a 25% vaccination rate among the eligible in a state may in practice be an 85% right. immunity status for a, 
for a state that's had a lot of infections. And again, every time they talk about a rash of COVID cases, nobody wants to get COVID, nobody wants to get sick, and you know, all, all that's for granted. But every time there's a rash of cases, it means that that community is presumably left safer after the fact when all of those people have an immunity that's that's considered to be greater than that from vaccination. So you're you're seeing the building of safe communities when you see these upticks in right. um, COVID. And and that would that would allow people to relax a little bit. And we can't have that because that doesn't that doesn't transfer power to the government and bureaucrats. And we're talking with Cheryl Ackerson, investigative journalist, because like when I think about this, I I would I would think that we're probably like the other day, I, specifically in Kentucky. OK, for instance, there was a report this week that we're that we're at 10 percent positivity rate. OK, and it's all over the news. And all the news outlets report that. And everybody's freaking out. Oh, my God, 10% positivity rate. And I'm like, yeah, but let's dissect that number. That's 10% of the people who are being tested, which means you have a number of people who have come down with symptoms of some sort, felt the need to go test, or they had a employer that made them test. They had to go test, and they came out positive. So one in 10 of the people who had some reason to go get tested came down with the virus. But that's out of the pool of people who may be left to actually be able to get the virus. That pool could be very, very small. So showing a 10% positivity rate really is meaningless unless we know how many people are left that can actually pick up the virus. And I would argue that when they give the positivity rate, they're also leaving out how many people are symptomatic. If you're getting tested because you're required for something and most people have mild or no symptoms at all and you test positive, that's, that's a different picture than if people are obviously hospitalized with an illness and or dying of this so how many are in the former category and how many are in the latter they never tell us that right um i heard um i heard dr ben carson on tv the other day say that 85 percent of the population has either had coronavirus or had the vaccine and that we had reached herd immunity i don't know where he got that stat because i can't find it yeah i'd like to know (laughs) it sounds reasonable yeah Um, my only question is who among the vaccinated had COVID? There's some overlap because right. even though the vaccine has been determined by every study that's been done, including the ones by the vaccine makers, to do no benefit to be of no benefit to somebody who's had COVID, mm-hmm. the government is nonetheless continuing to push people who've had COVID to get the vaccine for no for no benefit. Right. And again, that's confounding a lot of scientists who say that's using up valuable vaccine that other people need. It's exposing people who've had COVID to the even slight risk of side effects from the vaccine needlessly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we don't have those stats either. Yeah. I, and again, this kind of ties back to the sort of the middle of our conversation is why. And, and I would bring this to you is and I know you're working on as many angles as you possibly can. But to be honest with you, there's we need about 100 more Cheryl Atkinson's because <laughs> in the mainstream media, there just isn't an interest in this. And I'm like, these are significant these are significant facts and stories that matter to not just not just to communities and politics because politics is politics but this matters to humanity right because this this vaccine has been unleashed upon us um and it's not going away and future mutations could be terrifying and if we only have one way to fight it and it learns how to defeat that we're screwed you know Well, you know, what you've done with a vaccine, and hopefully it is effective for a lot of people, and if you want to keep inventing more and more boosters and taking them 
every year, what you've done is you've created a situation where your population needs constant medicine and the constant yeah. risk, even if slight of vaccine adverse events versus the notion of getting it over with once and for all. Now, the downside to everybody getting COVID is a certain percentage, four tenths of one percent of those who get ill, according to statistics, will die. So no one wants to take that chance. And that's what makes it such a tough calculation. But the Amish community, I'll be reporting on this story in season seven, the fall of my TV show, Full Measure. The Amish community in Lancaster, PA, let COVID run through, you know, just with, with a fury when it came and decided not to shut down. They went to church. They drank out of the same communion cup. And they claim, and there's um, some validation for this, although they don't get tested for COVID, but they claim they all got it because they got those trademark illnesses and survived it quite well with no, no better, no worse than anybody else, perhaps maybe a little better, and stayed open the whole year of 2020, made more money than they ever has have as a community because they hmm. went ahead for that herd immunity without taking the precautions and the measures that we took yeah. that some would say have just kicked the can down the road. But they didn't have a President Orange Man bad in office that <laughs> gave the media and the political party that shall not be named the opportunity to seize upon a very real crisis and instead of handling it the right way, use it as a as a political advantage, which now, you know, th there's the old adage that once you give up your freedoms, they'll never come back. And I think we're starting to see that in play when you have they're talking about shutdowns in Colorado where I live the governor is basically giving restaurants an ultimatum uh, require your patrons to be vaccinated or we'll limit the amount of customers that you can have that that is literally asinine because of that one figure that we've discussed already that matters to all of these decisions that no one is asking about and that is how many people are actually left that can get the virus and have no right. immunity to it. So, Cheryl, how can people follow your work? I, I want, I, first of all, how can people, because you, you've you written several um, bestsellers. Uh, the latest one that's out is called Slanted, which is about the media. Uh, but you've also told your story about how you've been abused by the government. Um, I want people to know your story. I want them to know why you're as passionate about real journalism as you are. You don't take a side. Um, I know you've been accused of being anti-vaccine, and that's not the case, right? Absolutely not. I mean, I'm fully vaccinated. My child's fully vaccinated. Um, I got, I kind of fell down this rabbit hole quite by accident. I didn't know any of these things I'm talking about any more than, you know, people who are listening and are uninitiated knew. I, this all sounded very conspiratorial to me, too, at first, <laughs> right. back until about the 2003 time period, 2002, and I was assigned to cover smallpox vaccination, the restart of that program after 9-11. I learned about there was heart inflammation, heart attacks and stuff going on that stopped that program. I'm like, oh, I was assigned to cover adverse events among the soldiers and their military vaccines and learned that occasionally a big strapping guy in boot camp drops dead or woman after their military vaccines. And I thought, oh, maybe there's something to some people's reactions and wonder what can happen to children. And then I started seeing studies and got sources that connected vaccines to autism. Despite what you've read, there's a lot of peer-reviewed published data about that, a lot of scientific um, confirmation of that. And that was the point at which the I think the vaccine and pharmaceutical industry really took a stand and got control of the message because it was going in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. So ever since then, you will only hear one thing by and large about any of these topics in the press, Yeah, you know, contrary to prior to the 2003 time period. 
Well, um, how can folks get your books and how can they follow you? I know uh, Full Measure is on, I don't know, it's like several, is it almost a thousand TV stations nationwide? It's huge. No, no, not that many, but we feed to 43 million TV households. I think there's 175 or more stations, but you can always watch at fullmeasure.news anytime online. So on my website, I I just, I send everybody to CherylAckison.com because you can click the Full Measure tab there and see past cover stories you can see how to watch full measure in your area or online or on our app you can see most of the stories i've posted anywhere i try to cross post at cherylackison.com and make that sort of a resource and just so people real know you're, you're you don't charge people for this um yeah. obviously we want them to buy your book and they can donate on your website to help your work but they you don't you don't charge people to see your content like a lot of news organizations are doing and so i think that's really awesome and admirable cheryl it's good talking to you again thank you so much for your time we appreciate you very much thank you for having me all right have a great day you too Literally one of my favorite people out there because of the courage that she has had to take on some really big, big, uh, big dudes, big people, big issues, big, uh, big industries, big whatever. Hashtag big. Uh, so pretty cool stuff. Love Cheryl Ackerson. All right, big thanks to our sponsor, uh, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, for uh, their continued support of this program. If you are thinking about doing uh, your kitchen, like having it redone, I really, really, really recommend these guys because I have been through the Louisville Cabinets and Countertops experience myself. And I tell you, it was awesome. From meeting with the designers to talking about, you know, how we wanted to have the kitchen look um, to the actual work being done and the incredible work ethic of the crew, the craftsmanship behind what they did and the beauty that they left behind. I firmly believe that this is the reason that our house sold in less than a day when it came time to sell the house. But we had years of enjoyment of it uh, before we moved away to Colorado because uh, they just did such a great job. So Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, there's three designers on staff, uh, George, Michelle, and Kelly, all waiting to take your call at 502-930-3304, or you can go to louisvillecabinetsandcountertops.com. You can see examples of their work. You can also see cabinets that they have in stock right now. If you're a do-it-yourselfer or a contractor, they've got that side covered for you as well. And these are beautiful cabinets. They're not cheapies. They're, I mean, they are very affordable, but they're not like, you know, uh, bang on it and it falls apart. This is high-quality stuff, and it's high-design stuff. And then literally, you can have it now which is pretty cool. Um, So super cool folks at 6200 Hit Lane in Louisville. If you're in southern Indiana, Louisville, or Odom County, this is your place uh, to get your kitchen done. So give Tim Montgomery a call today. Thanks to uh, Dynamics Audio Productions for their help with this program. And uh, also to my co-host and co-executive producer, who's good for nothing, uh, and never comes on anymore. I'm going to have to get him on here like super fast. Uh, Cameron Mills, thanks to you for listening. You can download the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or iHeartRadio's app. Please share it with your friends. That helps us get the word out. I am Leland Conway. This has been The Disruptive Show.